0: comes from Genesis chapter 3 verses 8 through 21 and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden but the Lord God called to the man and said to him where are you and he said I hear the sound of you in the garden In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife, wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you all here. I am very excited to be here. Um, So before I begin, uh, let's just start with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you have drawn us here this morning to share the fellowship of our brothers and sisters. May my words be spoken with clarity and that those and all those that hear will be blessed, amen. So back in August, um, I had shared how a simple conversation with with a close friend had sent me exploring what it means to be created in the image of God. This morning, I wanted to explore that subject just a little bit further. Some of the following will be very familiar if you were here in August, but I hope and pray that it will be helpful to repeat. Scripture does not give us a specific explanation of what it means to be an image bearer of God. And theologians have been debating this question for centuries. Chris Hall, former theology professor and chancellor at Eastern University and co-author of the book, The Mystery of God, Theology for Knowing the Unknowable, provides us with this helpful list of attributes. We are created in the image of God in these ways. Rationality, the human capacity to reason and to speak. Morality, humanity's ability to tell right from wrong. Aesthetic awareness, our power to appreciate and even to create things of beauty and meaning. Volition, the gift of free will, which allows men and women not merely to be determined by other factors, but also to exercise conscious self-determination. Religious capacity, that elusive aspect of men and women that allows us to worship in truth and spirit. Relational mutuality, that is humanity's interpersonal nature. And function, the peculiar dominion granted to humanity, the godlike authority to rule over creation on behalf of God himself. This morning, I would like us to consider two of the ways in which mankind images God, function and relational mutuality and how they work together. That is, how we re- that is how we relate to God and to one another is intertwined in the way we exercise authority in the world. As a reminder of the function aspect of our image, which we talked about in August, Let's look again, excuse me, let's look again at Genesis 1:26 and 27, where we read, Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Here we see the purpose of our being made in God's image is that we may rule. As I said before, if I were to read just this verse with my sinful eyes and my twisted heart, I might be tempted to think that God just made, made, God just made me the boss. I'm the boss of the world. I get to rule the world and everything in it. God has made all of this for me and my prosperity and my pleasure. But we know that that is not what God has done. He has created us to rule over his creation the way he would. And what did God want for his creation? His desire was that it would be fruitful and multiply in order to bring him glory. The image in scripture that we have regarding being fruitful is not just about progeny or possessions. It is about flourishing and having abundant life, being in right relationship with God, creation, and each other. The creator's decree to be fruitful and multiply is not just for mankind, but for all living things. As his image bears, he has created us in a unique and particular way to make it possible. Eugene Peterson, in his translation, The Message, succinctly put it this way, God created us to be responsible. So the function of being God's image bearer is this. We were created by God to rule and be responsible for this world and all that is in it, not for our own pleasure and prosperity, but as his servant. He created us with both the ability and the responsibility to act on his behalf to make sure all living things of this world are fruitful and multiply, can flourish, and have abundant life. Now, let's turn to the attribute of relational mutuality that says it is our nature, it's in our DNA to make connections with one another. God created us to relate. We all do it. We can't help it. No matter how bad you may think you are at relationships, you still have them. Whether it's a spouse, a child, a friend, your hairstylist, your bartender, or your babysitter, you relate and are related to as God's plan for his image bearers. Let's say, for example, you are um, standing in line at your local Wawa to pay for your morning coffee. Sure, some of you can relate to that. <laughs> Already on your way in, a young lady has held the door open for you. A young, the young man that is working very hard to keep the coffee flowing has smiled and said, Good morning. As you are reaching for the creamer, at the same time as the person standing next to you, you both look at each other nervously and smile. Say, excuse me. So now you are in line to pay. There's an elderly person at the, at the card reader and struggling, excuse me, there's an elderly person with the cashier struggling with the card reader and the cashier just looks at everyone and kind of shrugs. The guy in front of you, obviously in a very important hurry, turns to you and grumbles something about people and technology, and your response is fill in the blank. Well been there. See, here's the thing. You have related to half a dozen people all before your morning coffee. In that little time of going about your regular day, getting your morning cup of coffee, you have already related to half a dozen people. So let me just say this, if you have any doubt about this life being one of relationships, I would suggest pick up your Bible, open to any page, and you will read about relationships. So Andrew often, sorry, (laughs) Andrew often (laughs) illustrated the nature of our relationships as both vertical and horizontal with God and with each other. These are two-way lines of communication. We relate to God, and he relates to us. I relate to you. You relate to me. But I'd also like us to think about our relationships, both those horizontally and vertically, as not just individual relationships, right? But also as relationship as God's people. As God's people, we relate to God, and he relates back to us. As God's people, we relate to other people for instance, our community, and they relate back to us. So in order to understand our relating nature a little bit, a little better, let's go back to the garden, to the beginning, a place that grounds the story of our faith, where all the seeds are planted for the story of mankind's relationship with God and, as we will see, each other. Let's go back to Genesis 3, 8 through 24, as Bo read for us early, earlier, where we learn much about our relationships after the fall from four questions and two responses. So the first question is, what was lost? In verse 8 we read, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. We don't know if a week has passed, or 100 years have gone by since man and woman were created. Did God come and spend every evening with them in the garden or just Tuesdays? But here, we what we do get a sense of here is we get a sense of the beauty and the peace, the love and access that was enjoyed between God and man, and what we might call a right relationship. Question number two, God asks, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So I have a question for you. In what tone do you hear this question? Is it the voice of anger and judgment? Is it one of hurt, patience, love? In my own life, I've heard this question in many different tones. Anger when I fail to answer a need he placed squarely in my path. Hurt when I failed to trust in his goodness for my life and went my own way. And I believe that God still asks this question of each of us. Where are you? Where are you in your relationship with him? Where are you in relationship with each other? Where are you in your living as his image bearers? The third question, who told you? Verse 11, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? You could almost see Adam take Eve by the shoulders and place her between God and himself. We want to put anyone, even our most beloved, even the only other person in the whole world, between us and God. We want them to bear our guilt, to bear our shame. And so now, because of this, all of our relationships are marred with shame and hostility. Question number four what have you done? Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Poor Eve. She has denied her own responsibility to choose between what God says and what others say. She has listened to lesser voices. She has failed to trust the goodness of God in his word. She and we all bear the consequence of her choosing. So the first response we find in verse 15, and here's the hope. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. God's sentence for disobedience was death. But he held back execution of this sentence, promising that there would be another generation, that there would be a future, and that 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 future would include the enemy being destroyed. So in all the damage that they must have sensed their actions had caused, here was a hope. Here was God giving them hope that not all was lost. And God's second response is one of mercy. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. God provides a covering to protect the man and the woman against what he knows will be harsh conditions outside of the garden exactly how God provided these skins is left to our imagination. Did he need to take the life of an animal and prepare their skins? Were leaves miraculously turned into skins? Were skins formed out of the dust of the earth? We don't know, but what we can see is that mercy requires a sacrifice. And so from here, the story of our relationship really doesn't get much better. God shows us love and mercy. He offers us ways to live in obedience to his will. In return, we often lose our way, listening to lesser voices, walking in shame, denying our nature as image bearers of God, refusing, honestly refusing to be responsible. But of course, thanks be to God, that is not the end of the story. In his perfect love and wisdom, he has provided the perfect sacrifice in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ a sacrifice that brings hope and mercy to those that will accept it, the one whose death on the cross provided the way to open up that vertical pathway for a right relationship to God. And that way is another relationship, a relationship of which Christ himself said in John 14 14 and 16, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus again, excuse me. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment." So a relationship, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit you received once you accepted Christ. If Christ is your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives within you, just as Christ said. It is the Holy Spirit that helps you to trust in God's goodness. It is this spirit that will lead you into all righteousness, correct your need to shift blame, strengthen your ability to be responsible. The spirit will teach, counsel, exhort you into right relationships, both vertically and horizontally, if you will only trust in his presence and listen to his voice. So how are these two attributes of image-bearing, that is, ruling in a way that brings flourishing to all creation, and being creatures that can't help but being relators, how are they intertwined? Listen to this quote from Paul David Tripp in his book, *Instrument in the Redeemer's Hand. The Lord owns every one of our relationships. He has placed us in each one for the advancement of his kingdom and the sake of his glory. His agenda is so much bigger and better than ours. By his grace, he is taking lost, suffering, blind, deceived, self-absorbed, fearful, and rebellious people and molding them into the likeness of his son. He displays his glory by transforming the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. This display of glory is taking place wherever his children, his ambassadors, live, work, and relate. Every situation, conversation, relationship, trial, or blessing belongs to him. So Dr. Tripp is saying that in every one of our relationships, from the most casual, back at Wawa, to the deepest, most personal, God's glory is being displayed through us, his image bearers. And through those relationships, his will is being done, advancing his kingdom, ministering to his children and caring for his creation. Because while it is true mankind is uniquely created in God's image as part of the creation, we must remember that the reason God created us in the first place, as written in scripture from beginning to end, all that was, all that is, all that shall be is for his glory. So one of the images we see is that of God's people as a family. And what deeper relationships are there than family? We're given the great privilege of being God's children by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So look around you. No, seriously. Look around you. Don't look at me. Look around you. (laughs) Smile. Make eye contact. Relate. Go ahead. You're not doing it. (laughs) This is your family. These are just some of the relationships that God has ordained in your life. These relationships belong to God. And it is here that we can honor the nature we have been given to be his image bearers, helping one another flourish and have abundant life so that we are strengthened and encouraged to reflect his image out into the world, back at the Wawa, in, fa- in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces. And in all of that, what we are doing is we are bringing glory to him, the one who has called us. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word and how it um, just speaks to us deep in our hearts. We thank you for the reminder that we are, we are created in your image and that we, we go from, from here, from home from every place out into the world with a responsibility to you and to the creation that you have given us be with us the rest of this day lord as we as we um, ponder all of these things for it is in christ's name we pray amen